I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. We've been walking through a series over the last couple of weeks called A Thrill of Hope. And Matt, I'm sorry, but Charles and, and Scott, the last couple of weeks have done a great, great job of talking with us about the importance of hope and, and what hope does and what hope is. And today we want to talk about who hope is. We want to talk about the fact that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. We live in a world today where there is so much uncertainty and so much division and so much pain, so much suffering, but yet we recognize, we understand that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. And there's no part of Scripture that has a more clear and a more definitive statement about that than we find in Isaiah chapter 9. And I want us to turn to that passage this morning. And we're going to read a familiar passage. You've heard it a thousand times, I'm sure. Uh, you're probably going to hear it some more this Christmas season. You're probably going to see it uh, on Christmas cards. You're going to hear it in uh, music and worship songs. You're going to hear it in sermons. And I, probably you're going to hear it like in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, all of those kinds of things. It's a familiar passage, but a powerful passage. And so I want to read this today from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. And it says these words, For unto us... A child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Think about those words. Think about the statement that we just read, that, that he is our counselor, that he is our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace, and, and that, that, that peace that he brings, that there will be no end to that peace. We live in a culture today where people are constantly looking for hope in lots of different areas, lots of different places. They're looking for hope in money. They're looking for hope in power, looking for hope in status. They're looking for hope in our government. Bad idea. They're looking for hope in so many different places. And what they don't understand, what they don't realize is that hope can only be found in one place, and that is in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about, that Jesus came to this world to give us hope, that he came, born in that manger, born of a virgin, not to be anything other than the hope, the salvation, the peace that we desperately need. Can you imagine what it must have been like? When they came together and they recognized this little baby was born, but they had no idea what that baby was here to do. That's what this passage talks about, because when Jesus was born, what he really did was not only did he come to, uh, to be that, that God, man that, that put on flesh and came to this earth, but he came to redefine hope. You go back to this passage, it says his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Think about those words. Their words, also, we've heard them so many times, we almost kind of dismiss them. We almost just kind of use them as just kind of words that are part of Christmas and, and, you know, part of the Christmas songs, but yet rarely do we take the time to, to dig into what they really mean. Think about wonderful. In other words, greater than anything that has ever been. That when God gave His Son Jesus and He came to be that, that wonderful, that greater than we can imagine counselor. And I don't know about you, but man, there are times in my life where I need a wonderful counselor, don't you? I need that, that guidance. I need that direction, that direction that is unlike anything else that we can find in a book or from a friend or, or from a sermon or from anybody else that we need to know what is it that God directs us to do. Jesus was born to be our wonderful, greater than we can imagine counselor, the guide that we need to make it through and navigate a difficult world. Many of you maybe watched that show years ago called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember that show? 
And in the middle of that, when they're trying to get to that million dollar number and the questions got harder and harder and harder and, and they had that idea where that you could phone a friend. Remember that? And you could pick up the phone, you could call somebody, you could ask them what they think about it, what, uh, what they might give as an answer. Think about that pales in comparison to what Jesus came to give. He came to give us not only a one-time use, a one-time opportunity to hear guidance from Him, but yet He is our guidance every single day. That He is the one that no matter who we are, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we face, He is always the hope, the counsel, the direction, the guide that we need to make it through. That is what Jesus came to be. That's what his word is all about. And so we recognize he's our wonderful counselor, that he is our mighty God. And that talks about the divinity. Today we live in a world where oftentimes they'll say Jesus was a great counselor, he was a great leader, he was a great teacher, a great prophet, a great man, a great example. No, he is God. Jesus came as our mighty God, and his divine nature could never be diminished. This passage very clearly tells us, especially at Christmas time, in the miraculous way that he was born, that he was the divine, that he was God who took on flesh, who left the splendors of heaven to come into a messed up, difficult, divided world to give us hope. That's who Jesus is. Everlasting Father. I love that one. Because what that tells us is that he is the one that truly cares about his children. The one who wraps his arms around us that no matter what we're going through, no matter how brokenhearted we might be. You remember back when you were a child or maybe in your own children, when there was a difficult moment, when one of them got hurt, man, you know exactly where they wanted to be, right? They wanted to run into the arms of their mom, run into the arms of their dad. They wanted to be there. And as soon as the arms wrapped around that child, everything was better. I remember with my four kids, man, whenever they had a situation where they fell down and skinned a knee or or someone hurt them or something happened, man, as long as they could get to me or get to Sherry and get into our arms, when they got there, everything was okay. That is who Jesus came to be, our everlasting Father that we desperately need. And then that statement, the Prince of Peace, that He came to give us what we desperately long for. And he's the very definition of hope. The idea that that peace is something that goes beyond anything that we can imagine. In fact, if you look up in the original Hebrew, that word shalom that we hear often, you know what it really means? It means completeness. It means a place of safety, a place of rest. 2020, man, we've been looking for that place, haven't we? That's who Jesus is. That's what he came to do. He redefines hope. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. But not only does he redefine hope, The cool thing about the hope that he brings is that hope has no end. If you begin reading again in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now listen, that's not talking about an earthly government. That's not talking about the idea of, uh, you know, something that's created in Washington or something that we vote for or something that, you know, a bill that has passed. He's not talking about that kind of government. He's talking about his eternal kingdom. It's talking about how that Jesus came to provide something to us that no one can destroy, that no one can stop. And understand this, that when Jesus is on his throne, when the kingdom comes, when we get to the place, when this broken down, divided, painful, sick world ends, and when that moment when we step into the presence of God where we will be for eternity because of Jesus, nothing can stop, nothing can change, nothing can diminish the kingdom of God.
morning. I'm going to teach you another little new part to this song, all right?
receiving.
Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is who Jesus is. That is what he came to do. That he came to provide for us something that we could never get on our own, something that we could never earn, something that we could never work for, something that we could never gain by our own power, by our own strength. He came to give us hope. And aren't you grateful that he did? Aren't you grateful today that we do not live in a time where we are on our own? When we're trying to navigate this thing called life all by ourselves, trying to figure out what it is that we can do to find hope, to find life, to find peace. So can you imagine what it must have been like that night when they came to that manger, when that baby was born? Oh, come let us adore him. But they had no idea exactly what it was that they were witnessing. Had no idea that in that moment what they were experiencing. No idea that in that moment what they were seeing was God coming down to man. You see, Jesus came to give us hope. He came and redefined what hope was all about. Because remember now, up to that point, hope that could be found, the only hope that they could accomplished was found in doing all the things that the Old Testament Mosaic law told them they had to do, that they had to sacrifice, that they had to go to the temple, they had to do all the things that over and over again provided some sense of connection to God, provided some sense of being able to find forgiveness, finding hope. But when Jesus came, he changed everything. He redefined the whole idea of what hope was about. He redefined the idea of forgiveness. He redefined the idea of salvation. And so Jesus came as that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, everlasting Father, that Prince of Peace, the one whose peace would never end, whose hope could never find a stopping point, the hope that would continue for eternity. But listen, make no mistake. We live in a world today that even though we are aware of that truth, we still struggle with it, don't we? We still try to figure out how we can find it. Even those of us in the church that we're constantly trying to work to find that, that, that idea, that, that hope that Jesus came to give, and we're, we're working towards it, and we're doing all the things that we believe we need to do. And man, we're showing up, and we're, we're serving, and we're giving, and we're singing, and we're working, and we're volunteering, and we're making a difference, and we're delivering food, and we're delivering uh, gifts, and we're, we're trying to help in every way that we possibly can. We are faithful and doing all of those things, and yet so often, people who are sitting in the churches of our land, the churches in our world, still feel hopeless. And you know why? Because the one thing that we haven't quite figured out, maybe is that that hope that Jesus came to redefine, that hope that Jesus promised for which there would be no end, that hope has a catch. There's actually some fine print that we've got to dig into. You see, His hope has a catch, and that catch is one that God's Word bears out over and over again. Listen to these words in Acts chapter 4, where it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let me read that one more time because I don't want you to miss the words that I just shared. There is salvation in no other for there is no other name. Think about that. 
You see, there's not salvation found in our works. There's not salvation found in being good. There's not salvation found in in being a Baptist. There's not salvation found in being a Pentecostal. There's not salvation found in being a Methodist or an Episcopal or a Catholic or any other denomination or any other place. There is not salvation found in being faithful. There's not salvation found in singing in the choir. There's not salvation found in serving in the parking lot or taking care of the babies in the nursery. No, there is salvation is only found in one name, and that name is Jesus. He is the only hope that we have. And we live in a world today where we're constantly trying to find hope, and we're trying to find salvation, and we're trying to work to be better, and we're trying to do all that we can to make sure that on that day when our life ends, that we're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven in the presence of God, and we're trying to do everything we possibly can to get there, and yet God's word says, no, there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. In other words, it's not up to you. It was all up to him. It's what he did. It's the work that he accomplished. And the only thing that we've got to do, here's the catch, is we have to believe. And see, we live in a culture today where Jesus is constantly kind of put in a, in a nice little box. He's kind of, kind of pushed to the side, and, and they'll say, well, he, he was a great example and a great prophet. He was somebody that you ought to learn about. He was somebody that you ought to talk about, somebody that you ought to, you know, kind of read about. That Jesus was somebody that you ought to try to emulate, try to be like him, try to live like him, because he did such great things. But, but make no mistake, it is not found in trying to learn about him. It is not found in trying to read about him. It is not trying to, you know, found in, in trying to you know, like him or talk about him or even put him on a pedestal. It is found by believing in him. That is where our salvation comes from. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. For there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. And you've got to believe in that truth. And we live in a world today where we want to do everything but believe in Jesus. We will work hard. We will be good. We'll show up when we're supposed to. But man, when it comes to that statement, that exclusive, that, that, that offensive, that, that idea that we say that, that, that no one can be saved except by believing in Jesus, people get angry. People get mad. They will argue with us. They will fight with us. They'll call us narrow. They'll call us, you know, exclusive. They'll call us offensive. They'll, they'll do all of these things to, to push us aside because they're trying to diminish the fact that Jesus is the only hope that there is. That's who Jesus is. That's what Christmas is all about. Man, we all love Christmas. We all love to celebrate Christmas. We have our Christmas trees up in our homes. We have our, you know, opportunities for Christmas shopping, and we have our Christmas dinners, and we do all the things that we're supposed to do. We get together and we celebrate. Man, we just love the Christmas music. I don't know about you, but man, my car has been playing Christmas music since like before Thanksgiving, because we love that idea. We love that time. We love the season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm not going to break into song, I promise. But Christmas is not about trees, and it is not about celebrations, and it is not about gifts. Christmas was really nothing more than an entry point to the cross. It was an entry point to salvation. 
It was God coming down to man because we desperately needed him. Because without him, there is no hope. But with him, there's all the hope you could ever need. Jesus is the hope that that, that God gave, that he's the one that we find our hope and our salvation. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. It says this word, therefore God also has highly exalted him, highly exalted Jesus, and given him, given Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about that statement. So often we live in a world where we think we are the minority, where we think that people look down on us because of what we believe. We think that that we're kind of over in the corner and the rest of the world has pushed us aside and they say, well, what they believe, it's not relevant anymore. That was for a different time and a different season and a different place. Don't worry about what they believe. And oftentimes we get discouraged because we believe that the world doesn't really understand what we believe and they think that we're nuts, that we're crazy, that we're weird. And here's what God's Word says, that there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Jesus Christ is Lord. And this passage says it this way, that those who are in heaven, that the angels will proclaim it. They've got no problem understanding who Jesus is. And then it says that those on the earth, that means that we will all proclaim and with with bowed knees, with, with our hearts and with our lips, with our mouths, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will shout it from the mountaintops. But make no mistake, Even the people who today will denigrate, who will condemn, who will actually talk bad about, blaspheme the name of Jesus. It says this, one day every knee will bow. We are not in the minority. We're just the early adopters. We're just the ones who get it now, who understand it now. And here's our passion and our heart is to try to get more people to believe it before that day. Because you see, if we come to a place in our lives where we die without Jesus, God's word is clear that we will spend eternity, not in heaven, we will spend eternity in hell. You see, Jesus came to give us hope. He came to give us life. He came to give us salvation. He came to give us heaven. And so it says that that those in heaven will proclaim, those on earth will proclaim. But you notice what it also said there in that passage in Philippians chapter 2? It says this, and it says those under the earth. You know what that means? That means that one day even Satan and all of his demons, that their knees will bow and their tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, if that is true, if you believe that, if you stand on that truth, if that is something that changes you and has changed you and drives you, then my friends, why is it that we, the church of Jesus Christ, are so afraid to shout it from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord? You see, there's a catch, but the catch is a simple catch. It's not something that you have to work for. It's not something you have to do. It's not something you have to to be smart. It's not something you have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of talent. Here's what you got to do. You have to simply believe that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. That Jesus came to do exactly what he said that he came to do. That he came to seek and to save that which is lost. We live in a world today where they'll put lots of statements and lots of names and lots of descriptions about who Jesus is. But yet when I spend time in God's Word, what I read about is in Matthew chapter 8, it says that Jesus is the Son of Man. 
When I spend time in God's Word, I read that John 1 says that He is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. When I look in John chapter 4, it says that He is our Messiah. In John chapter 8, it says that He's the light of the world where we will never walk in darkness again because He is the light that we need. It also says in John chapter 10 that He's the gate and that all who enter through Him will be saved. Also in John chapter 10, it tells us that He's the good shepherd, and that means that He knows us, that He wraps His arms around us, that He protects us, that He guides us, that He takes care of us when we desperately need Him. In John chapter 11, it says that He is the resurrection and the life, and that though we may die, yet shall we live, that by believing in Him that we will never die. In John chapter 14, it tells us that He is the source of our strength. He's the source of strength in our prayers, that He is the one that anything that we ask in His name, our God will do. In John chapter 14, it also tells us that He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Him. In Hebrews chapter 7, He is our prayer warrior, ever making intercession for us, that He is praying to God the Father on our behalf. In Revelation chapter 1, it tells us that He's the first and the last. In Revelation chapter 19, it tells us that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in Revelation chapter 22, it says that He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that means that no matter what it is that you go through and no matter how bad your life might be, no matter how hurtful things have been in your life, no matter how hopeless you might seem, no matter how low the valley is that you're walking through, understand this, that no matter how bad life is, Jesus was Jesus before your problems began, and Jesus will be Jesus long after your problems end. Jesus is the hope of the world. So the question is, are you going to believe? Because that's what it comes down to. It's not about what you do, it's about what He did. Amen. And so today, the most important question that anyone could ever ask of you is just simply this. Do you believe in Jesus? Not are you part of a church, not are you faithful in attending church, not are you reading your Bible, not are you spending time praying, not if you're being a good person, not if you're taking care of your fellow man, not if you're loving your, your neighbors yourself. No, no, no. Those are all important questions. The most important question is, do you believe that Jesus is the one that God sent to save you? And if not, then the thing that you need to hear at this Christmas season is that you've got to believe that now. Amen. That you have to come to the place in your life where you simply say, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And I believe that God sent His Son Jesus to save me. And I believe that He died on the cross for my sins, that He rose again three days later. later and by believing in Him, I will be saved. And friend, if you've never done that, Make this day that day. Make this moment that moment. Make this Christmas season the time where you celebrate far more than the lights and the trees and the presents and the music, that you celebrate the fact that He is the Lamb of God who came away to take, to take away your sins, and He did it when He came. Amen. That's who Jesus is. That is what Jesus will do for you. With our heads bowed and with our eyes are closed, today I want to ask you a question. It's a question that I've already mentioned several times. Most important question you'll ever be asked. 
Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? And if not, again, the Bible's clear, Romans chapter 10, that if you will believe in him, if you will believe that he's the son of God, if you will believe that he died and that he rose again, Romans 10, 13 tells us that anybody, that's you, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I'm just going to lead a prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer, I encourage you to pray it right now, silently along with me, no matter where you are in this room, sitting at home on television or listening on the radio, wherever you might be, pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up so many times. God, I know I can't fix things on my own. God, I, I believe that you love me enough to send your son, Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that he rose again. So Father, today, forgive me of my sins. And save me today through your son, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life as you give me the power to do it. Thank you, God, for saving me. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing the words of a song that we've already sung together today. The words that just simply call him who he is, that he's our Messiah that he's our savior, the name above every name. And when we do sing those words, I'm just gonna ask you today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, if you're here in this room, our team is gathered here at the front. I'm just gonna invite you to make your way to the front and just come down and say, listen, I prayed that prayer. Man, today I, I wanna experience what it means to be a child of God. If you're watching right now, wherever you might be, man, I encourage you, connect with us on our website trbc.org slash start and there you'll find information that can help you begin to live out what it means to be a child of God because of Jesus so friends no matter what it is whether you prayed that prayer today or whether you are a Christian but man you've long since lost hope because you've not made him Lord of your life in a moment when we stand this altar is going to be open I'm going to encourage you to come down and pray come kneel pray with one of our team members if you wish Come for, join our church, come for baptism, whatever God is speaking to you today. Listen, hope has a name. And that name is not self, and that name is not accomplishment, and that name is not money, and that name is not government, and that name is not power, and that name is not anything else other than this. That name is Jesus. Jesus, he is our Messiah. Let's stand together. Let's sing these words. And I encourage you today, step out wherever you are.
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.